Hey, good day, everybody. It's uh, good to be with you today. Um, I uh, My voice is not 100%. I'm still recovering from flu, so sorry about that. Uh, and if any coughing may ensue, uh, I apologize for that. We are today do going into the last uh, episode of our series, um, and we're talking about Encounter God's Presence. And uh, just to remind you again, as we've done every week, what is the big idea of the book of Exodus? It is God raising up a nation to live with them and through them bless all nations. And last week we spoke about how the the climax of the book uh, is actually towards the end. And I want to read for you today the very last verses of the book of Exodus because this is really everything that has been happening has been building up to this point and has been about this event that we read right here at the end, which was for God the most important thing. This is what God was was trying to achieve with the book of Exodus and the whole journey from, from Egypt, walking with the people of God right through to where we find ourselves now. All the miracles, all the difficulties, all the challenges, everything was about this. In Exodus 40, verse 34 to 38, we read, Then the cloud covered the tent of meeting, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. Moses could not enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. In all the travels of the Israelites, whenever the cloud lifted from above the tabernacle, they would set out. But if the cloud did not lift, they did not set out until the day it lifted. So the cloud of the Lord was over the tabernacle by day, and the fire was in the cloud by night, in the sight of all the Israelites during all their travels. This was what God was wanting to achieve, to live amongst his people. The only way they were going to be a blessing to the nations is not through their ingenuity, not through how you know, strong they were or how much they had, but it was going to be because they had this unique privilege of being the ones who carried the presence of God, amongst whom God was present. And th- isn't this amazing? This is so beautiful that finally God had moved in. God had moved into the neighborhood. God has moved into his house amongst them, and was now living among them. Last week, we spoke about everything that was needed to prepare for God's moving in and for God's presence to come in and, and dwell amongst them. As we spoke about the how they were getting the tabernacle ready and God anointed some people for to uh, build the tabernacle and the arts that, were, that was representing God in the tabernacle. And... Um, and so last week we read about how they were getting ready. And today we start with, you know, God now moving in. But I, I, I'm sure you remember that in between things almost got completely derailed. Um, in By the end of Exodus 24, uh, things were looking good. Things were looking like it's it's they were ready, that they were preparing the tabernacle. God wants to move in. Everything was looking good. As we read in Exodus 24, verse 3 to 4, when Moses went and told the people all the words and law, they responded with one voice, everything the Lord has said, we will do. Moses then wrote down everything the Lord had said. They they were in a in, in a seemingly uh, in a, a space where they were saying, Lord, everything that you say, we will do. And that's what God desired. God desired their obedience. God has desired for them to follow his instructions. If he was going to be present among them, they needed to obey his instructions. And that's a very important point I'd like you to remember. After that promise they gave, and Moses wrote down everything that was required to build the tabernacle and, and, and everything that had to be done. <coughs> Excuse me. 
Then in Exodus 24, verse 8, it says, Then Moses took the blood, sprinkled it and on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and the seventy elders of Israel went up and saw the God of Israel. Under his feet was something like a pavement made of lapis lazuli, as bright as blue as the sky. But God did not raise his hand against these leaders of the Israelites. They saw God and they ate and drank. Remember, this is now before the Ten Commandments is given, just after God gave Moses the instructions to build the tabernacle. Now God is going to do the final bit, which is like he's going to give them the, the Ten Commandments. Um, and to do that, he invites Moses, Aaron, um, and, uh, and others to, uh, and the elders to come close to him so that, you know, he can meet with them. And we read this amazing thing that happened, that they, they were allowed, which was very rare, to come quite close to God in, in such a way that they could actually see something of God, probably his reflection, uh, the reflection of his feet. Because remember, we know that nobody could see God and live. Even a little bit later, we'll see when Moses, God wanted to show himself to Moses, he hid Moses and he only let a, a part of him pass by Moses. Um, and here we read that they were they were gathered before God, the, the Moses and, the, and Aaron and the elders, and um, they, they saw something like a, a pavement made of lapis lazuli. Now, lapis lazuli is a, is a very rare stone. Um, sometimes in our Bibles it says sapphire, but in, it's not the same as modern-day sapphire. It's actually more uh, uh, scarce than sapphire, uh, or, but it is also a, a blue, deep blue stone. Um, and this stone, they could see something of a pavement, and probably commentators say, in this pavement, in the shiny pavement, they could see reflected some of the just the feet of God, and um, and it and it, it blew their minds, and it, it was this amazing event. I mean, so everything was looking so positive and so you know so good that here finally they were going to step into the purpose, and the reason they were set free from slavery into Israel is to become God's people. It was going to finally happen. And in Exodus 24, verse 15, we read, When Moses went up on the mountain, the cloud covered it, and the glory of the Lord settled on Mount Sinai. For six days the cloud covered the mountain, and on the seventh day the Lord called to Moses from within the cloud. To the Israelites the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Then Moses entered the cloud as he went on up the mountain, and, the, and he stayed in the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. So after God had had this meeting with the with Moses and the elders and Aaron, he invites Moses on his own to come up into the mountain. And Moses goes into the mountain and the glory of God descends. And from a distance, it looks like a, like a thunderstorm, like the mountains on fire um, as God is busy meeting with Moses and, and giving him the finer details. You know, the, the, the Ten Commandments is going to be given to Moses and then all the finer details of the law of how Israelite was to be God's people, the Israelites, and to be free to be God's people. And God met with him there, as the scripture here says, 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and nights of the, the mountain looking like it's consumed by a fire. Um, the Israelites could see that God was busy up there with, with Moses. But this is where everything starts going pear-shaped again. 
up until now we look like we were we we were building to this crescendo and everything is going well and finally the what god wanted to do is going to be established but suddenly suddenly things take a turn an unexpected twist in the story um, a gut-wrenching event takes place that jeopardizes everything and causes almost the whole story to fall apart right here and it's it simply begins in Exodus 32 verse, verse 1 when 40 days started feeling like a long time to the people of Israel 40 days felt like a lifetime in verse 1 we read when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain they gathered around Aaron and said come Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Wow. Wow. Can you believe it? Moses has been up on the mountain for a while and the Israelites are growing impatient. They can every day see the mountain. They can see God is busy with Moses. They can see the, the thunder. They can see the, the lightning that looks like a consuming fire, but it becomes too long for them. And they grow impatient and they suddenly begin to forget uh, and they begin to be tempted. Remember what we said, one of the things that people do that have been set free from slavery is they start copying those that they think are free. And so the Israelites have looked around and they've seen how other nations interact with their gods. And they think, when we're going to, we're going to make our own plan. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to find a God to replace this, this God that is too difficult. This God that expects of us to wait. We want things now. We want the answer now. We want to know right now that God is with us. We, we're tired of this getting things ready, this preparation for the presence of God. We're tired of this, all the stuff we have to do and all the regulations. And we're just tired of all of that. We just, we just want God. And isn't that just how typical human beings are? And we still do that with God today, don't we? Have you become impatient with the Lord sometimes? Sometimes you think, man, it just takes too long. God said he will do something, but it's taking too long. Why must I spend so much time preparing for what God wants? Why are there so many rules and regulations? And we live in a day and an age where people are saying they want to be spiritual, but, they, but they're not going to be religious. And that's just a nice way to say they, they want the experience of God, but they don't want the, the rules that come with it. They don't want the, the hard work that comes with it. They don't want the, 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 the challenges that come with it. They don't want to make any sacrifices. They don't, they don't want to have to wait for a God on his timeline and, and the way he wants it. They want a God that they can determine how things will happen according to their timeline and what, how they want to experience God. And that's exactly what the Israelites were doing here. They were just saying, God, we want you on, on our uh, on our terms, um, no more of this waiting. I mean, it's it's forty days. Imagine, just remember the six months more or less this these people have had. They were in Egypt in slavery. Then they began to see all the miracles that God did by the, Moses, the hands of Moses. Then they saw the plagues, the parting of the Red Sea. Then God providing for them food and water, protecting them against the Amalekites. The cloud of fire, uh, the, the cloud by day and the fire by night. God's presence, they, they've seen amazing things happen in a very short space of time, but yet they grow impatient. After everything that God has done, they said, no, this is taking too long. We're going we're gonna to make it happen on our own. 
And, and I mean, that's something you and I have to watch out for, isn't it? We can so quickly become impatient with God. If God has promised us something and it doesn't happen when we want it to happen, we become impatient. Then that, that mountain that reminds us of the presence of God seems to become so far away, so distant, so disconnected from us, like it's got nothing to do with us anymore. And we, we're going to make our own plan. Perhaps God has made a promise for you that he's got a relationship for you and that he's, he's preparing somebody for you, but you're going, it's, I, I can't wait for God anymore. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to wait for his regulations. I want the relationship, but I, I'm not going to wait for the commitment and for all this, the rules and regulations. I'm just going to make it happen on my own. And, uh, and that's so often. People just can't wait. And then they step into adultery. Don't follow God's rules because we become impatient. And in other ways, we, we think it's taking too long for God to provide for us. We, we're going to just cheat a little bit or we're going to lie and, and we're going to make a way. And then we give ourselves over to the idols of our hearts. And this is exactly what the Israelites did here. And they began to worship. Um, and they went to Aaron and they said, come on, Aaron, you've got to make us a, a idol that will, that will help us that will tell us that God is with us. So Aaron answered them in Exodus 32 verse 2. Take off the gold earrings that your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing and bring them to me. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. And they said, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. What a slap in the face of God. After everything God had done for them, they just replace him with something that is more visible, something that is nearer, something that is perhaps easier to understand and easier to govern, something that will fit their frame of reference. They, they really, what they're doing is making a God in their own image according to their desires and what they want. And the provision that God gave them, these gold earrings that they had, remember, where did they get these gold earrings? This is probably still left over from the, the, the things the Egyptians gave them, which was the things that God gave them so that they could use that for their provision along the way to set up their new nation and to, to build the tabernacle for him with, the gold that was needed for the tabernacle for his presence to be among them. They're now taking that and they're melting it down and they're making an idol. And it's interesting to me that they're using the earrings. It almost feels like they're saying we, they, you know, uh, like that, like in the New Testament says that that in the latter days men will um, will 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 want their ears tickled, they will want the truth that they want, and this is what exactly they they just want a God that will speak to them in the way they want the God to speak, not the way this God, this God of Moses was speaking, this fellow Moses that is taking so long. This this guy is too difficult, man. It's just too much, and so they they will do this, and they. They throw a party of note. They just go wild. Remember, they were copying what they saw in the behavior of the nations around them. And so it says in Exodus 32 verse 19, God told Moses, while Moses was on the mountain with him, receiving the commandments. And isn't it amazing that the first two commandments, the Israelites were, while, while God was hammering out these commandments with Moses on the mountain, the Israelites were already breaking the commandments. Before they've even received them, they were breaking them. That just shows you the commandments were needed. 
because they were counteracting that which was in the human heart, that which would become the problem that the Israelites would face all the time was to turn away to idols. That's why they needed a commandments on stone tablets, firm commandments to counteract that which was their temptation and in their heart. And it says in verse 19, when Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf the people had made and burned it in the fire. Then he ground it to powder, scattered it on the water and made the Israelites drink it. Wow. What, a, what an amazing letdown and disappointment for Moses and for God. How, how, remember, Moses is the mediator. He's the one that is between God and the people. The, the person that is showing them what God wants, communicating them, teaching them what God wants. And here he can just, his heart's broken. And he, and he breaks the tablets. He throws them down. He, it, it, and that's a sign of the covenant that was broken already. Before they've even received the covenant, they broke it. They've, they've already acted against this covenant. And, and Moses recognizes that these people still aren't ready for God's presence. They're still not ready to have God live amongst them. They're not ready for God's covenant and for God's promises. So in his disappointment and, and, and anger, he throws the tablets down. Then he, he rushes into the camp and he, he takes that golden calf and he burns it in a fire destroys the, the, the God that they've crafted with their hands. He comes and destroys it. He burns it down. And then he does something quite amazing. He's, he, he breaks it into powder and pours it into the water and he makes them drink the water with their, their gods. He's like, you know, he's humiliating this God, showing them that this God is nothing, that this God has no power, that this God is is utterly useless and that they've just wasted their worship. This wasted all this gold. It's now going to be passing through their systems and he, he makes them drink it. He makes them swallow their pride and their arrogance and, their, and, and he just like stands up against them in, in such anger and, um, and just destroys this calf. Um, but Aaron responds in Exodus 32, verse 22, so typical to how human beings do, do when we get caught out in our sin and in our rebellion. He says to Moses, do not be angry, my Lord, Aaron answered. You know how prone these people are to evil. They said to me, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I told them, whoever has any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold and I threw it into the fire and out came this calf. Now, this I find fascinating. Can you see what Aaron's doing? He's sort of divorcing himself from any guilt here, saying all he was doing was giving the people what they wanted. He just, you know, allowed the people. He just served the people. He just made them, um, you know, he, he was just a good person, just to help them what they wanted. And, and then he, he makes this extraordinary claim that the calf just appeared out of the fire. It sort of shaped itself. Remember if we read earlier, where we read when they made the calf in um, verse 32, it says, um, 
He took what they handed him and made it into an idol cast in the shape of a calf, fashioning it with a tool. This calf he made by hand, but now he's ascribing some divine origin to this calf, saying that it's, it's, you know, it's the devil that did it, in a sense. He's, he's blaming somebody else. This is so typical. What we want to do in, in, our, in our cultures is, is we just want to, it's, it's not us, it's not me. And particularly those that are called by God to bring God's presence, to, to lead nations into the presence of God, can so easily just assume a position of, man, you know, uh, what can I do? I, I, I've, I, it's not my fault that the people are, are going off and doing the wrong thing. And that's so often what leaders do uh, today in our world. Instead of, of standing for God's call, for God's purposes, for God's plans, for God's law, leaders will just go shrug their shoulders and say, oh, well, it's what the people wanted. I just gave them what they wanted. And it don't blame me. It's the devil's fault. But we see this sharp contrast between Moses that gets upset and he and he goes in and destroys this calf and he makes the people drink the, the gold dust and Aaron just goes, well, it's not my fault. I couldn't do anything about it. And I want to tell you, today's Father's Day. So perhaps if I can particularly talk to the dads. And, and I know it's the responsibility of all parents in their homes. And that every parent, every home doesn't have a parent. We live in a nation where most children still don't have fathers in their homes. And that speaks of the whole issue. Fathers are, are not where they're supposed to be. Not the ones that are taking the, the leadership in their homes, not, not by abusing or, or, or manipulating or, or, or you know, lording it over their families, but in loving, caring ways, pointing to way to which the, it is the way of God and, and training their families, teaching their families, standing in society and saying, this is the way of the Lord and this is what we're going to do. They don't just shrug their shoulders and say, oh, it's what the children want. Oh, it's what my family wanted. What could I do? They say, no, this is God's way. And may we have more of that in our nation and in our society. Moses saw that the people were running wild and that Aaron had let them get out of control and so became a laughing stock to their enemies. So he stood up at the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites rallied to him. Moses stood up in the midst of this chaos, in the midst of this, this chaotic deviance that, that he was witnessing, this God's people acting like the other nations, being no different than the other nations, cavorting and carrying on in, in wildness. And there were, there were probably lots of sexual stuff going on and drunkenness, and they were just carrying on. And Moses stands up in the midst of this, and he begins to call order. And he says, who's going to stand with me? And the Levites come and stand with him. And God pursues to punish the people. 3,000 people are killed by Moses and the Levites that day that were, that were probably the ones that were, that were the, like the ringleaders, the one that, ones that were, that were really going all out and, and, and leading and inciting this, this chaos and this deviance. And then also there was a, a plague that fell upon the people. And so God had to punish them. And then we see in Exodus 33 how God comes and it's like God's heart's broken. Now we must remember that when God is disappointed, it's not because he's disappointed for himself because God needs nothing. God's need no, God is complete within himself. He doesn't need the Israelites in order to feel 
good about himself or to in order to be a god he he needed them f- to need him for their sake and so his disappointment is a righteous disappointment it's not a self-referential disappointment it's not a disappointment like we know that is this this disappointment of of our own confidence and our own uh, needs it's a it's a disappointment for the israelites but god says the following in exodus 33 verse 1 then the lord said to moses leave this place you and the people you brought up out of egypt and go up to the land i promise and on oath to abraham isaac and jacob saying i will give you it to your descendants i will send an angel before you and drive out the canaanites amorites hittites perizzites hivites and jebusites go up to the land flowing with milk and honey but i will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people and i might destroy you on the way what a sad sad statement made by god where god says look i'm i'm a man of my word and i'm going to keep my word i made a promise to you that when you left egypt that i was going to take you to this amazing place to go and live i'm going to provide for you i'm going to drive out the enemies before you but the whole reason i did it was so that we could be together but god says you go i'm i'm not going to go with you god says you're a stiff-necked people you're going to just upset me you're going to make me angry and i'm going to do something i'm going to regret and i don't want to do so you go on without me god sort of says whatever man what a sad state of affairs can you hear the the hurt in the heart of god but remember moses is the mediator standing between god and the people and Moses, thank God for Moses, responded and he said in verse 15, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you <coughs> excuse me, go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and know you by name what an amazing thing moses says lord it's no use if you don't go with us then there's no there's no reason moses is saying lord we don't want your blessings merely we don't want this promised land without you we don't want to see the nations driven out by an angel we want you lord nothing less than you if you don't go with us it's got no use lord and and he says, because if you don't go with us, we're just like everybody else. Then we, we've got nothing. We'll get this new land, but we'll mess it up. We'll, we'll just be like everybody else. There'll be no purpose for us. We'll have no reason for existence that separates us from the rest of the nations if you don't go with us. And then God says, I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you and I know you by name. All God needed was one person. And we see this throughout the scriptures. One person. One person that God needed to be the carrier of his covenant. One person's obedience is enough to see a nation change, to see God's plans come to part. And I want to tell you every day, God sends you into a world that is rebellious against him, that is fashioning the, the idols in according to their own desires, that have, that have crafted idols that speak according to what they want to hear and gives them the permission to do what they want to do and live the lives that they want to live. Every day, God sends you amongst the people that are impatient, that don't want to wait for God, that don't have time for this, this demanding God with all his regulations and all his, 
he's the ways that he does things and 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 every day you say lord i go and i i i obey you and god says i will do everything that i've purposed to do because you are my covenant person it's all god needs every day on your front line is for you to worship him is for you to honor him to obey him to live according to his ways and you will become the one through whom his presence will be manifest in that very place that looks like it's God forsaken his presence can come and so in Exodus 34 verse 4 we read so Moses chiseled out two tablets like the first ones and made up and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him and he carried the two, two, two stone tablets in his hand then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood before him and proclaimed his name, the Lord and the, uh, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin, yet does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. Amazing. That after all of this, because of just the obedience of Moses, God reaffirms again his covenant with the people. Again, the tablets of stone are carved out with the law. That is the covenant between God and his people. And God then reveals himself to Moses and through Moses to the Israelites. And they surely testified that God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger. Despite everything they did, God gives them another chance. God says, I have not given up on you. And God moves into the tabernacle with them. And God allows them to journey on with him. Now we know the story gets continues to, to present its challenges. But ultimately, they end up in the promised land. But remember, all of this is to prepare for us to get into the presence of God, which came about finally because of Jesus. But the very important thing we have to learn from this whole saga with the Israelites is that the one thing they needed to experience God's presence was obedience. They proclaimed it, they declared it, but they could never fulfill it. Obedience. To obey God is what is needed for God's presence. Ultimately, Jesus' complete obedience bought for us the right to know the presence of God. Jesus' complete obedience put him in the position that he could send us the Holy Spirit, which became the presence of God. That God now dwells among us. That God is present with us. Every one of us by his spirit. Because of, his obedi because of the obedience of Christ. But you and I, if we want to know the presence of God, it still requires us to have obedience. Now, we will not get it perfectly right. Our obedience will never be complete. Because we are human and we fail. But we still have the heart of obedience. That heart that says, God... I want your presence. Your presence is more precious to me than anything. I don't just want your blessing. I don't just want the things that you have promised. I want you, Lord. And I'm not going to settle for anything less than you. I want your presence. 
and to want your presence, Lord. I'm going to obey your word. I'm going to obey you. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to live my life in covenant with you and be the person that in everyday life, on, my, on every front line, lives for your glory because I love you. Our obedience is not by fear. Our obedience is not by duty, as we've said through this series. Our obedience is by the love of, that we have for God. Are you obedient to the Lord? If you, are, if you endeavor to be obedient, God's presence will be known in your life. If you, if you don't want to be obedient, why do you want God's presence? Ultimately, God's presence doesn't, isn't helpful to anybody that doesn't want to obey God because God's presence is going to draw you to obey him. That's why Jesus said, I'm sending you the Holy Spirit and he will teach you all things. Jesus said, we've got to go into all the world, teach them to obey in the Great Commission. That's our task. I don't know about you, but I want the presence of God. And therefore, I want to be a, dis a whole life disciple that lives every day with Jesus and allows him to teach me how to obey the Father. Not just, and not to obey rules and regulations, but to live in a love relationship with God where my heart is turned towards him and where I want to obey everything. I want to pray with you today as we end our series and thank you for joining us for this series and say, Lord, come, teach us your ways. Come, Holy Spirit, help us, teach us to be obedient to the Father so that we may know the presence of God. Won't you right now just... Just open your heart with me to Jesus. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll come. Thank you that you are the presence of God. That you lead us into the presence of God. Thank you that the veil has been torn. That we have been qualified, justified to be in the presence of God. We want to live every day in your presence. We want every day to go into this broken world as carriers of the presence of God, to be that prophetic presence, that prophetic declaration in every place, to be the light and the salt. And we recognize to, to do that, Lord, we need to have hearts of obedience. And so right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that for every one of us, if there's places in our lives where we have willfully disobeyed you or have omitted to obey you, speak to us, Lord. Reveal it to us. Come, Holy Spirit. And then as, as you reveal it to us, we ask that you forgive us for our disobedience. Forgive us for wanting to go our own way. Forgive us, Lord, for where we've created idols and crafted idols, fashioned idols to suit our desires and to tell us what, give us the permission we want. Forgive us, Lord. And we ask, Lord, that you would smash our idols. We break them apart. And we come to you and we say, restore us. Give us the strength and the ability to obey you in everything so that we may know your presence. And then we ask for your presence. Come, Holy Spirit. I pray right now for every person with me in this, in this recording, listening to this message, just for your presence to be with them right now. And that as they go onto their front lines, that your presence will go with us. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. We love you. 
Thank you for your presence. Amen. Amen. Thank you for being with me. May the Lord bless you. May you grow in your obedience to him and know his presence in every day and in every place. May the Lord bless you.